book report. It's a book report. It's a book report about a movie. Cause that makes sense. Alex, we're here. We're here to talk about Stargate. Are you excited? I'm super excited. We didn't plan to do this, actually. Uh, Jeff couldn't show up for recording, so Alex and I were like, huh, what can we do? <laughs> what's what's immediately accessible in our brains that we're not exactly prepared for, but we could just throw off? And you had watched Stargate. You talked about it um, in two parts, <laughs> in like a couple of our last episodes. Mm-hmm. You watched the first half and was like, this is terrible. And then you watched the second half and you were like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think one night I wanted, I don't know, I think it was, we talked so much shit about Roland Emmerich on this podcast. Um, and it had been so long since I'd seen one of his movies, I just had the morbid curiosity to go back. And so I chose Stargate. <laughs> I was on Amazon or whatever service it was on. And I was like, oh, Stargate. Alex just watched that. I'm going to watch it. I got some beers, thankfully, uh, to get myself through it. And I watched it. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, was it dumb. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's... I have this written down. It is aggressively dumb, painfully <laughs> dumb, dumber than the concept of dumbness itself distilled and multiplied into endless infinities of dumbness. <laughs> That's my distillation. I mean, I have to start with the question. Yeah. And it has to, it's worse than Independence Day because we know you and Jeff are not a fan of the movie. I like the movie, not because of its merit necessarily because of more of its reputation that i have with it but it this is worse than independence day this has to be worse i don't know i haven't seen independence day in a very very long time uh i don't plan on ever watching it again unless you you make us which is fair play you Mm -hmm. totally can it i think it would be an interesting conversation but i think it's also maybe a conversation that's been had as well yeah um, by other critics and stuff like that. But so like I had a, I, ha- I was going to write a intro for this to, to describe the movie. Mm-hmm. But when I, what I ended up doing was digging through the IMDb reviews for the segment that we do later, which will be reacting to reviews. <laughs> and I found the perfect way to, s- to summarize the plot of this movie. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Stargate is a time travel movie about a doomed archaeologist, James Spader, who gets a call from an old lady that tells him about this discovery where a portal can take communicate with other dimensions. After figuring out the codes in the hieroglyphics on the machine, Dr. Jackson, Spader, along with Colonel Jack O'Neill, Kurt Russell, the military and scientist, see that maybe there's a chance to see what's on the other side. O'Neill and Jackson go in with a group of Marines and discover that they're part of the other dimension where it resembles Egypt with a god by the name of Ra who comes to hurt the civilians where it's just a matter of time before the expedition becomes extinct if not finding their way home. (sighs) That's like two sentences. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know if this was written by a child or possibly <laughs> possibly a foreigner. There are many misspellings and grammatical errors. Okay. Um, or if it's just somebody who has a Pop-Tart for a brain. So 
that could have been a review or it could have been a sixth graders like book report on on the film right yeah that was very by the book very dry and very clean just telling us like it is (laughs) almost as stale as kurt russell's character in the film which yeah i love kurt russell i just want to get that out there and i do actually like james spader quite a bit as well but the flat top and everything on kurt russell in this movie made him so rigid and then like that jamming and like ham-fisting of this post-traumatic like experience that he has from you know his son is so awkward I was going to ask you about that, actually, because I, I can't remember like the second half of this movie. Oh, I know. Your brain kind of, you kind of just turn into mush, don't you? And you just it are does. like a being that you like, you're like, I am, my eyes are receiving light. Yes. My auditory ears are receiving their signals. And then like, yeah, I... you don't like, you can't focus on anything else. Uh I don't know. I I know I watched the whole thing. I didn't like shut my eyes, I don't think. Um the last time I did that, legitimately shut my eyes and watching a movie was I think in the film class we watched Transformers for some fucking reason. Don't ask me why. Film class at Berkeley people <laughs> watch Transformers. Oh no way. But that movie was painful on my eyes and my ears and my senses. This one wasn't. It was just dumb and it it was bludgeoningly dumb to the point where Coupled with beer, of course, mm-hmm. probably like a six pack throughout the movie. Um, by the end, I was just my brain had checked out. But my question was, like, with that Kurt Russell intro as hard ass military man, his kid blew his brains out, right? Mm-hmm. Does this lead to any form of character arc? Honestly, no. I didn't think so, but I couldn't remember. No, it doesn't. I mean. We both watched this like a week ago, by the way. It's just his, it's what makes him, I don't know, it's like his drive. It's like his masculine defect, I guess, that he somehow needs to overcome. He's like, I'm the best of the best of the best. But I also have this really deep and dark secret and skeletons in the closet. You know, he has like, what, six lines in the whole fucking movie. And he just grimaces the whole time. It doesn't. It never comes back. The whole thing is they're sending him because he has like nothing to live for, right? Right, because there's a whole subplot about blowing up the Stargate if they find danger yes. on the other side. Exactly, because they don't want it to come back into our world. So he's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'm the perfect candidate for this because I want to join my son. He is suicidal himself, I believe. Okay. That I could see that as being I could see Roland Emmerich's brain thinking that mm-hmm. and thinking that's like a character arc. It didn't translate very well, I don't think. Oh, it was done terribly. But, but I see the yeah, yeah. You start this movie. The movie started out on a really bad footing with me immediately. You start out with James Spader giving a science talk about pyramids, mm-hmm. saying how there's evidence that they weren't built at the time that we think they are, <laughs> and people are like, "Well, who built them?" Uh, get, Keeping in mind that this is a uh, like a an academic setting, where you would think that it's other scholars in the audience, but p- people are just fed up when he says, "I don't know who built them," and they're like, "Oh, what a dummy!" and they just leave. Mm-hmm. And immediately, I was like, "Okay, 
This movie is made for idiots. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you like this movie, we might be should have started with this. You're gonna fucking hate this conversation. Yeah. Not that you didn't not that you didn't already get that. <laughs> but it's like that was the first in a very long line of intellectually insulting beats that this movie hits. Yeah. Where it's like that is not how things work in an academic setting. And if you have any like knowledge of that, then it's it's irritating to say the least. It's like many of his movies, very proppy, right? Every single character is a caricature of themselves, and they're so superficial that they fall down with an even inkling of any type of critical like pushback. Each character is just so cookie-cutter, and this movie was so overly done that like I expected the lines before they came. The part of your brain that's seen all these terrible movies before that are generic and like knows what to expect in terms of movie dialogue is like, this is the line that's coming. Mm-hmm. But then the other part of your brain is like, no, nah, I can't. It can't be that flat and that generic. Boy, oh boy. Is that other side of your brain <laughs> right? It's going to be that generic every time. That's why I love his haircut in this in this movie. Kurt Russell? Yeah. It's like just so it like embodies the film so much for me it's just so flat (laughs) yeah oh man you have the stupid briefing room scene where he tells everyone to share and this is the this is the point in the movie where i felt that every human in this movie is operating on about 50 percent of the normal brain capacity Mm -hmm. of a normal human and where some of the stereotypes in terms of like generals mm-hmm. start to get really irritating where it's like nobody knows anything about anything except for James Spader. He walks in and immediately decodes these uh, hieroglyphics that apparently scientists have been working on for years. He just walks in in total movie form and just knows exactly what to do. Yep. <laughs> uh. I have a, I have another question for you. <laughs> yeah. Is this was this movie framed in a future scenario? Oh, like like is it supposed to be? Is it supposed to take place in the future? No, I don't believe so. No, right? Because like they do the flashback at the very beginning. It starts off in like the thirties or some shit. I don't remember that at all. I'll be honest. <laughs> okay, it's the old woman when she's young. She like finds like her father is like a archaeologist or some shit, and he finds these stones engraved with the glyphs on them. Okay. Yeah. I have completely forgotten that. Yeah. So it, it, it was supposed to be modern time for the, so like mid nineties. Yeah. 1994. So my point with that question is that another insulting thing this movie does is that science doesn't matter. Right. In the year 1994, we somehow have technology that can go through a Stargate, mm-hmm. which presumably is very far away, mm-hmm. um, and read the atmosphere on an alien world and communicate that back with zero delay. When they go through, they even are able to communicate themselves back to NASA or whatever the hell, mm-hmm. whatever government compound, with no delay. Right? Am yeah, I right? No. I mean, I think if you're honestly, if you come to the film looking like breaking it down that way, like the logical and scientific grasp that it has on its own concepts, it falls apart from the start extremely quickly, you know? 
But some some people are definitely going to say this is nitpicky for sure. And like, it doesn't matter. It's a movie. Mm -hmm. It's a movie movie. And there is some validity to that argument where it's like, like Star Wars, right? Star Wars doesn't give a fuck about science either. Mm -hmm. In Star Wars, you can fly to the Dagobah system in like a little TIE fighter thing or whatever Luke flies. Yeah. Like it doesn't care about like the time it takes or like fuel or anything like that. So why does it annoy me so much in this movie? Am I just wanting to be annoyed because like I have this vision of it in my head? No, you know, I mean, and it's all—it's also like, why is something like the mummy? Why does that get a pass? Yeah, I mean, I had my qualms with that too, but that feels like the same kind of movie. But it, it does doesn't right? make me angry like this does. Well, this movie is like an exercise in just increased ridiculousness. It just starts getting crazier and crazier, and that's what I thought was interesting about this movie is that it was pretty bad from the start, but still interesting enough to keep watching. And the second half of the film, I want to say, is might be. Some some of the most unwatchable garbage ever made and it like when we find out Roz uh, an alien and just something the, about minerals the love story that starts to develop between the scientist and a literal otherworldly being that he just met in the midst of this like well you there you didn't like the ham-fisted comedy romance no see she's that's like what gifted I mean. to him by the desert guy that the, <laughs> like, the interaction between like the this is the the wonderful little idiosyncrasies and the strange little things that happen when two cultures clash you know it was so bad it was done so terribly and it was so campy there's something about this film that i wanted to say really quick though it spawned like a humongous following right and it spawned a humongous legacy of other art that's related to it part of its canon and yeah. I think that's really interesting for how terrible this movie is. It almost spits on my face, kind of. Just like, it doesn't matter how bad I am. Yeah, it made 55, or it cost $55 million. It made $200 million Jesus. overall. So, you know, quadruple. And it did. It did spawn multiple um, TV shows, the whole idea. I mean, conceptually, it's cool. Like, you go it through is. Stargate and there's another... Um, civilization and then linking it to egyptology is kind of bonkers and could be yeah. pretty interesting with a completely different script um get that ancient alien yeah i mean vibe. we've noted this we've noted this with roland emmerich before where it's like it boggles my mind as well and it always has independence day is it's one of the biggest movies ever oh it's successful yeah <laughs> it's massively successful it's massively impactful i guess like it's people, well loved yeah it's well loved people our age especially have this incredible nostalgia for that film um it's hard to say if it's if it had any like resonations because of its own like artistic merit because all it did was like turn spielberg into mcdonald's mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah so any other movie that tries to do spielberg in the most like ham-fisted way possible you just be like, oh, they're trying to do Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Like Roland Emmerich's style is just Spielberg, but with like, you know, uh, it feels so manufactured. He's like the Jack in the and Box too. Spielberg's McDonald's. Um, those are both terrible. <laughs> I don't know if I can get behind that example. Alex. I mean, one is like the king of fast food. One is the one that set the standard of it, so it's hard to knock him because it is his own style. 
and he's pretty good at it. Spielberg, right? Yeah. And then the other one's like, hey, we serve French fries and hamburgers too, just shittier. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Spielberg feels genuine. Yeah, he, exactly. Like, he was the inventor of the modern blockbuster mm-hmm. with Jaws and Indiana Jones and stuff like that. And that's a question I had for you as well. And I was, and I really don't know where I sit with this. Is is Roland Emmerich making movies cynically? Is this a cynical movie, or is it just a dumb product from a dumb director? I think it's more of the latter. Um, I do think sometimes we are so pretentious. By the way, (laughs) (laughs) just lean into it. It's okay. Um, I feel like though I was going to ask you, like going off of that question, do you think there's something that is? He's German, right? Roland Emmerich. Do you think that German? Yes. Do you think that there's something going on there? Because like Uwe Boll is also German, and when they make when they make these movies for like English speaking audiences and mostly English speaking audiences, do you think that there's like something that is lost in translation there? Do you think that they're like picking up on things that they've seen in American Mm. drama films when they were growing up or something like that, that is kind of outdated or campy or like superficial and they think like I don't know. That's how films are made. I think almost kind of like Tommy Wiseau in the room. Something about his whole experience makes me wonder if his without being racist, obviously, because obviously there are great foreign filmmakers, but I just was wondering if there's something that gets lost in like their perception of what they think Americans like. You know? Does that make sense at all? Well, it makes sense for Uwe Boll. Mm-hmm. Like his movies are just hot trash. <laughs> yeah. They're like Ed Wood level of like he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Roland Emmerich is like technically competent. Yeah, no, you don't see like the the shots are fine. The there's a lot of like big costumes and the effects are generally well done, and people really like it. It's just um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Probably with Uwe Boll. But Roland Emmerich, because it's it's just such a flattened American cheese version of cinema. Mm-hmm. It's it's the flattening American cheese of cinema that's already the most popcorny type of cinema. Yeah, that's true. You know, true, it's like actually. just just it's a distillation of Jaws or Indiana Jones into its like most basic components yeah that's perfect and then just thrown out there because that's what movies do that's a yeah all the way way down to to the score like the score is uh i had this written down i can't find it i hadn't i had a thing about the score but it's basically like it has that manufactured wonder right the score is perfectly emblematic to me of what i feel about roland emmerich is like it feels like manufactured wonder nothing in there feels genuine Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder if that's wrong. Like, like that, and that was my question to you: is like, is he doing this cynically? And I don't know. And I, I think, I think I tend towards your camp. I think no. I think he's like actually thinks he's making, like, I don't know, not necessarily smart entertainment, but I think he's genuinely producing what he wants to produce. Right. And so it's hard to be angry with that. It's like. It would be like, for instance, if you had a a chef, a very well-trained chef, like technically, mechanically, right? 
And you were Hello, like, Hello, Jeff Casino. Exactly. I thought you weren't here today. A little shout out to our <laughs> third missing real weirdo. But yeah. um, what if they were like, no, I don't want to work in the premier restaurant in Paris. I want to be a McDonald's line cook. And it's like, can you fault that? If he was, if he's self-aware enough that he's like, oh no, like my movies, he's like, I'm making a, a movie movie, right? Like if he used some of our terminology that we throw around. If he said yeah. that, it would ch- totally blow my mind and change the, the way that I would see his movies. Well, I think there's interviews you can track down where he and Dean Devlin, who's his longtime co-conspirator on these on this schlock, um, <laughs> says like they make like they like making broad entertainment and popcorn movies. Oh, okay. Like that's their thing is making popcorn movies. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just del- it's a it's an interesting delineation, right? To go back to the Mummy and Star Wars is what makes those things work for me when. Roland Emmerich movies are like nails on a chalkboard. So it's like I cannot begin to describe how dumb everything is. Yeah, I mean the. the <laughs> uh, sorry, <I> had <laughs> that's hilarious, but um, yeah, the uh, the Mummy I actually think passes because it's not as quite as fantastical. Um, it's a, it's like, a, it, it's, it's like, it decided what it wants to do, right? It's like, we're going to go with this Egypt thing and we're going to go hard with that little 1930s, 1940s, Indiana Jones type thing. Right. And you're like, okay, that works. Cause it's simple. And it has the characterization in it is actually charming as opposed to just flat. Well, yeah. Roland Emmerich's like, I want Egypt in there. I want fucking, you know, uh, space people. I want a space buffalo to drag someone across the desert. You know. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> the alien. Yeah. Like he he wants aliens. He wants prosthetic outfits. He wants organic creatures. He wants like steel, futuristic concept technology. He wants it all mixed with the hieroglyphics. And it just is at one point you're just like, okay, this is just too much. You needed to choose one thing and just go with it, right? But Star Wars, let's say it it doesn't ever tell you, or it does, the, the little blurb at the beginning, you know, the most famous long, long time ago, galaxy far away thing. That mm-hmm. is such a simple and effective technique that was used by a lot of those, you know, Buck Rogers shows and everything that they base that stuff on that takes you out of the reality and makes it okay to deal in space you know, and it was like, you never needed to be like, oh, well, how do they have these lasers and lightsabers and everything? Because you were already just sucked into that anyways. Whereas with this film, it just unravels itself. It goes from kind of logical project to highly ridiculous just exercise in all directions. It also does a thing that Roland Emmerich likes to do. And it doesn't do it as as egregiously as in some of his later films. Okay. Uh, where everyone is kind of the comedic relief character, uh. or like, or like, like really dumb. <laughs> so I keep using this fucking word <laughs> "dumb," but it is just dumb. Um, like comic relief elements are just sprinkled in, regardless of whether they make tonal sense for a scene or not. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I guess I guess that works for some people. 
I think it works for a lot of people. Oh, I mean, it works well enough for $200 million worth of people at the theater, right? That's a good point about he, he does do that a lot because it's in Independence Day a lot, right? Yeah. Like, um, They're like joking about, I don't know, like banging each other's moms or kicking E.T.'s butt or whatever when it's like yeah. the situation that you're in, like you would not be this flippant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's the weird thing about this film is that like when they're interacting with this new culture and it's all like lackadaisical, hunky dory, kind of goofy. I'm like, this is not how this would go down. Right. No. Like this would be a a very dark psychological experience. Like you don't know if you can trust these other beings. You're dealing with the existential crisis of knowing that there is life somewhere else and that you are in some other universe. Like I, I just don't understand how you can go and fly through the Stargate. And then, you know, they're all like, all right, we need to set up base camp right here, right now. Do all this. It's like, no, what the fuck is going on? Well, they, he gets dragged off by the monster from Labyrinth, the <laughs> David Bowie film, yes. I, I guess. Yeah. Whatever that thing was supposed to be, mm-hmm. a Star Wars creature, I don't know. Yeah. And they see like the, the distant city. It's not distant, actually. It's whatever uh, this village is like right over the crest of this sand dune. Uh-huh. And they're just standing there in full view. Like The military guys and James Spader are just standing there in full view, just like looking down. And it's like, you would, uh, I don't know, it, it was it hurt my brain. I was like, no, you, w- you wouldn't just stand there. And then they get noticed, and they're like, oh, they noticed us. I guess we'll just walk down yeah. there. <laughs> and it was like, because they needed to, you know, hang out with these people for the script to continue, for the movie to continue. It lacked all conceivable logic in my brain. My favorite part about this movie is probably the fact that, like, they're interacting with this ultra-hyper-intelligent, like, race you know and like that are they well no that's what i'm saying Who? that's what it's like supposed to be like raw and the gods that are part of them, oh them you know yeah they use like the they're like oh i made the bomb like super strong or whatever we're gonna send it back through the gate you know to destroy earth and also that there's like people living in caves and shit it's some weird like tribal scene I don't know. It's like white tribal people. And I just, I, I lost it at that point. I was like, this movie yeah. is terrible. That's where my brain checked out. And I have very scattered memories of the rest of yeah. it. Yeah. So that's the thing. I remember about images. I remember like Kurt Russell running around in side of a pyramid with like some kind of laser scepter or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They have a revolution. They like ate a That's right. revolution yeah. in this village. They hand these kids, they hand out machine guns yeah. to the children and stuff. It's <laughs> Americans are so fucking predictable, right? Like we find a new place and within seconds we're just like, all right, we need to arm these people and fucking fund a revolution and then we'll take power. Do you think that's do you think that was like No. I, Roland no. Emmerich making meta <laughs> Don't commentary. Don't even ask that. No, <laughs> there's no way. Because you know, if he was that type of intelligence, like something that clever, would leak through. It would shine. Maybe through. Maybe he's a secret genius. It would shine through a little bit in the film, just 
by way of mistake if they were, it was trying to be that clever and there's well, maybe nothing. it's insulting he's just insulting america and having getting paid for it because all the military guys all the american military guys mm-hmm. are horrifyingly stereotypical jobs who can't understand the most logical things like james spader's like no nah, i can't get you back until i find like a key to translate this and they're like oh we're gonna be jock douches from college yeah. And like throw your books down a sand dune. I know. And I don't know. I don't remember any of their dialogue. I just remember being like. <sighs> I know. And it, it's just hilarious to think, you know, like the world decides to send this crack team of people just because. You know, it's like Armageddon. <laughs> it's, they don't send scientists. You don't send military people with like any kind of intellect. You send, it is like Armageddon. Yes. It's like, let's send the people who the absolute lowest common denominator people in the audience will relate <laughs> exactly. to. Exactly. Regardless of any logic. At least in movies like The Rock, like you have this idea where it's like, oh, the island has been taken over by Marines, right? We're going to send a Navy SEAL team in. And so you have a reason why this Navy SEAL team the characters within it act the way that they do. This was just a grouping of generic military guys, right? They're just like, just, just throw them in there. It makes sense if it was like, we're sending like this special, highly elite fucking force or whatever, you know, and Kurt Russell's the badass who's leading them. But no, it was just like the most inept dudes. And you're right. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't imagine anywhere just like, Military operations in the world being interrupted by some jock just coming in, like sweeping the table of blueprints <laughs> off or something, you know, and then laughing about it. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they sent, they dumb. sent like 10 or they sent less than 10 people. Yeah. They sent like eight guys. <laughs> I don't know. It's dumb, Alex. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb that it, it defies explanation. It might. I don't know. I was thinking about this. I'm sure I've seen something dumber. I can't conjure it though. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this is this better or worse than in the name of the king? Because that's a standard that our some of our listeners might know because we did cover that one. So I would say it's only slightly better, only because it's slightly more polished as a film. Technically, it has. It's like decently constructed. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's not it's not convoluted. It's just um, maybe it's convoluted towards the end, though. Oh, it gets fucking it's always hard on my it brain. It gets fucking insane towards the end. <laughs> but like the filmmaking necessarily doesn't get worse. It doesn't get worse because of ineptitude. It gets worse because of decision making. Whereas with Uwe yeah, Boll's film, right. right, it was like starting to fall apart just because. You're like, this is a person who doesn't fully grasp his own medium. Yeah. So there's some the language of film just isn't quite working <laughs> with yeah. him in that film or any film. Exactly. Whereas yeah, Roland I mean, Emmerich is still successful. I mean He's majorly successful. The Day After Tomorrow is one of his movies I think I remember liking as well. <laughs> and Well, <laughs> if you revisit it, you're gonna have a similar feeling yeah. to this. I guarantee I mean, it's, it. It's it's up there in the on the dumb scale. He likes his sciencey sci fi disaster movie. And 
loves his military characters. They're always in a lot of his movies, I feel like. I will say one thing that James Spader said about this film is that he was intrigued, he said, because he found it, quote, awful. But after meeting the director, he got excited because he said that it would be an adventure. So, you know, maybe for all that it's worth, maybe Roland Emmerich is just a really cool fucking guy to hang out with. Maybe he's just really nice. Maybe he's just a good dude. I don't know. And people are... He seems like he might be. And people are just like... No offense to him on a personal level. Yeah. Hey, Roland Emmerich, do you want to come on the show and you can pick a movie and we'll all talk exactly. about it? Exactly. You're invited. <laughs> um, you, you, I'm sure you won't <laughs> ever hear this. And you'll probably hate us if you do. <laughs> but, you know, the invitation is out there. Everyone tweet at Roland yeah, Emmerich. that would be fucking amazing. Tell him to go on the, the hit dark web show, Real Weirdos. Um, oh, I remember my point. I think that In the Name of the King is definitely worse, but it's more interesting. Okay. Like, that movie was such an interesting failure to mm-hmm. me of how you can do everything wrong. And it's like, it tries, it's it's almost trying to be a Roland Emmerich thing, right? Where it's like, whereas Roland Emmerich does Spielberg. Yeah. In the Name of the King was trying to do in The Lord of the Rings, but it was so massively mishandled, miscast, terribly acted, terribly structured, badly shot Mm -hmm. mostly like the battles were just a slog to get through so was this film though i felt like stargate wasn't necessarily terribly acted by some of the characters and i don't think it was terribly cast but i also think that it's because it was so bad that i can't even like plausibly imagine thinking about plugging in people to this plot yeah. I don't know, though. Uh, we don't need to do that. <laughs> I do have a number of reviews for you, oh, though, if you want to move on to that. Let's do it. So I <laughs> I was looking at critic reviews, and I was like, hold on. Where the real gold is going to be is in just, like, user reviews. <laughs> so I have a number of these here. This one, I had distilled this. A classic but not for me, comma, too much talking. <laughs> Gore, zero out of five. <laughs> Nudity, zero out of five. Effects, three out of five. Story, two out of five. Comedy, zero out of five. (laughs) I mean, he got the comedy right. I just love that it's a classic, but not for me, comma, too much talking. Yeah, that part, industrious review. I like that review. Well, I cut out the whole middle part. That was the beginning and the end. Too much talking. Yeah, I can't remember what their other point was. I think it was like it didn't have enough action. Like, they just wanted non-stop action i'm like hmm. did you see the second half of this movie it was nothing but a clusterfuck of like what is happening action well that's an example then maybe of someone who wasn't like satiated enough by enough stupidity right like they maybe. wanted something like in the name of the king instead yeah okay all right here's one the movie is careful to stay away from many of the cliches of most sci-fi movies but also stays away from characters which are too simple. Both Daniel and Jack, played by James and Kurt, are real people, not cardboard cutouts, with all the flaws and merits of our own reality. Jesus. Respond. Respond, Alex. No, that isn't real. (laughs) That is real. These are pulled from the IMDb reviews. Okay, so without offending anyone... I just want to say, while you were reading that review, I like imagined maybe a 50-year-old, really overweight white woman 
who maybe still does okay. her hair the same way she did it in the 1980s and okay. like works it as a reception desk or something like I'm picturing one of the old ladies from Edward Scissorhands from some hell reason yes. as you as you described hell yes, that. Hell yes, exactly. Like the Avon calling ladies, <laughs> right? Like yes, that are yes. like oh, this movie was delightful. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> See, my question with that one is like, what is a cardboard cutout for you if not the characters in this film? If Kurt Russell's hair is literally not cut out of cardboard in this movie for you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what what would that person call a bad film? The Green Knight, probably. Stuff like that, you know? Maybe There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood to be like, I don't get it. Like, what's the the story? Exactly. Where's the action? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put on a voice for this one. In the sci-fi genre, Stargate is just a classic. For a movie made in 1994, it was just good. Certainly if you consider, they didn't have the same technology as now to make a movie full of special effects. If this movie had been made now, it would look like done by amateurs, but for that time, it was just spectacular. The story itself is plausible. (laughs) And entertaining to watch. And was just the beginning for a whole bunch of other movies and series to come. I wouldn't say everything is perfect in this movie, as the acting and action looked a bit old-fashioned. But it got my attention for the entire movie, and that's not evident when it comes to older movies. Okay, first off, the story is plausible. I could not even read that with a straight voice. Apparently that's enough. Straight face or straight voice. That's enough. I don't know what they're saying. The story is plausible. The action looked a bit old-fashioned, and that's not evident when it's about older movies. I can't translate exactly the end of this. I think he's saying that... um, This is either a second language, uh, English second language speaker... Which would make sense. There's some things that get, you know, lost in translation, fall by the wayside. Or this is like a terrible, terrible symptom of the United States education system and our literacy rate. Uh yeah. Like, I mean there's that statistic about how most police can't write at a fourth grade level. Well that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean I would like to think so, but but I mean I don't know. People aren't Oh God, we sound such like such douchebags. <laughs> I mean, this no, show. no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not going to let people get away with like, okay, Stargate not being able to construct. Sentences. Yeah, if if you like Stargate, that's fine. I can see. I the thing is, is I I'll shit on this movie, but I understand 100 percent why it's popular. I'm sure Jesse. I'm sure you do too. However, yeah, uh, honestly, if you do like this movie. Like great. yeah, it makes sense. Sure, like, whatever. It's it's like a it's a easily watchable like turn your brain off and eat popcorn movie. I have those exactly. two. Exactly, I have those two. I think it's incredibly stupid and bad, but like, <laughs> if you if you're in on it, good for you. However, if you can't like just spell or punctuate or like just write a simple movie review that we can read and understand that we have to translate in our native language, translate then I don't know. I'm going to talk shit on you, I guess. Like, I just don't have any more time for that. Like this whole yeah. anti-intellectual thing. Like you can be anti-intellectual, but that <laughs> learning to read and write is like a basic trait of 
all of civilization. <laughs> like this whole episode is us being anti anti intellectual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's dumb. We're smart. Yeah. That's yeah. dumb. We're smart. <laughs> you know what? If you'd say that to us, that's all we're doing. You know what? Fair yeah. play. <laughs> all right, I got I got another one. One more, and then there's a couple critic ones. Stargate is nothing but a good old-fashioned action film that offers a fun time. It has a solid story, well-developed characters, and a good sci-fi setting. This is one of the early films of Roland Emmerich, who directed such hits like Independence Day and The Day After Tomorrow. We see his flair for action and explosive special effects here. I liked this movie because this is one of those films that doesn't require thinking with an overly complicated plot. Because all this film does is entertain, and it clearly shows that. Okay. I can get behind that review, I guess. I mean... Yeah, if you like this movie because it doesn't require thinking... You're... Uh, fair, fair play. Yeah, you're, you're right, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, if I didn't think, I would enjoy it, things a lot more in general. Yeah. Movies and otherwise. So, yeah, I've never seen the TV show. I've heard it's it's pretty good. I guess, <laughs> you know, every time I hear it's pretty good though, it's not never from like an unbiased source. It's kind of like Battlestar Galactica or other culty shows like that. It's like the people who are telling me it's good are wearing Stargate, like SG one t-shirts as they're telling me this, mm. you know, on just like a random Wednesday. They're like, Oh, this that show's well, great. And I'm like, it does make sense huh. that the person recommending something to you is a fan of that thing. Well, that's what I mean is that like, it's just, I've never had someone who isn't necessarily overtly a fan of it being like, like an ultra fan. Yeah. yeah. Being like, Oh yeah, that's re- That's a pretty good show. You should watch it. You know, I, it's always someone who's like, Oh, you haven't seen this show. You should watch it. And it's very clear and apparent that the lore, they're all about like the lore, you know, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. there's just certain things that, people exude you know you see a slytherin pin on people you see like random stuff in the world that people wear for certain stuff and you're like oh you're one of those people it's like disney people which one are you if you were on any of those things that's a good question what pin do you what 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 pin would you wear i mean based on this episode just like the high horse one i guess yeah just we're we're on our fucking high like horse today. Like is turned up into the air. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> we're like we're like eating caviar. I know. Like just like uh, making fun of the unwashed masses <laughs> from our from our high horse. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, well, this I don't know, this review here. Fuck. This here review got me thinking. This is from an actual critic. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of flick where Kurt Russell dispatches an, Anub- an Anubis-looking baddie after first telling him in the kind of bon mot that elevates the thing an entire letter grade, give my regards to King Tut, asshole. Oh. So this oh. that, that line elevated it an entire letter grade for this critic. I think it dropped it a whole letter grade for me. Well, you know? And I was like, why, though? Because some of these action one-liners are amazing. Like, mm-hmm. you have the classic Schwarzenegger ones, mm-hmm. blow off some steam, Bennett, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I was questioning this in my in my own little brain box here. And I think it's because give my regards to King Tut asshole is dumb. 
and not funny. Yeah, no, I think that 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 critic is actually like keying in on something that we were kind of talking about with Roland Emmerich and that you were asking him, you know, where he's like, you're like, is he just making movies that he know or knows are like highly entertaining, but just low effort storylines. And I think that like there are sometimes when movies have lines like that, when they don't take themselves seriously and it's not even acknowledging or being self-aware. It's more of just like playing to their audience and playing in their league, not trying to play too high. Right. It's pandering. Yeah, exactly. You you put it in there because that's what you do in this kind of movie. Like, What if he started quoting a Shakespeare sonnet, right? That would be so out of place and weird. It would be elevated. Yes. It would be a moment where you had... It wouldn't make any sense. El- yeah, exactly. It would just be like, this is ridiculous, and this film is trying to be so many different things, even more than it is. But when you have a line like that, <laughs> it, I don't know, it just works. It just works. Well, it's, like, it, uh, it, it works for you? No, I mean, it works. That line works for you? No, it, it works within the context of what this film is. Like, I expect gotcha. it from this film, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be chock full of yeah. lines like that. Um, Another thing I was seeing just in the general critical reception, whether it's user or whoever, is the an interesting delineation in what is camp, right? Because some people are like, this is a masterpiece of camp. And uh, I mean, I, I've only I only prepped for this episode an hour early before we we started, so I didn't have a chance to like fully come up with a thought process on this one. But I did like the question that it brought up, which is like, what defines camp? Because for me, this isn't campy, and maybe it borders on it, but I don't know if camp mm. needs to be more self aware or not. Hey, do you have a do you have a thought on this? I think actually that it can exist in both. I think camp can be one that is like a unintended byproduct of someone who is actually trying really hard and thinks that they're making something really serious and profound, which I think makes it all the more like cringeworthy. Um, but on that's when you get the best ones, like yeah, the room. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That is like samurai cop stuff like pri- that. Those are like the prime examples of it, right? Um, and then you have the camp that is like kind of tongue in cheek, a la David Lynch, Twin Peaksy. You know, mm-hmm. he'll use like really old, washed up, like not washed up, but just like 1950s kind of like movie talk with some of his characters. But it's yeah. acknowledged in the actual content of the show. So it's it's accepted and then you have stargate where i think it kind of falls in the middle but leans more towards the former that i was speaking of it feels kind of like um you know that m night Shyamalan movie the happening is that the one with uh the plants and mark Wahlberg and uh zoe deschanel yes yeah where it's like his whole idea for that film he touted it as it being like a masterpiece of horror and then it came out and everyone fucking laughed at how awful it was. And he was like, oh, it's supposed to be a comedy. He did a whole like 180 on it. I, um, I, I've i never heard that. Damn. I thought he just kind of stayed quiet and like never responded to critics. Because talk about a bright light, man. 
I liked Signs, and I liked a little bit of the village. Signs, Signs had some fun stuff. Yeah, um, I liked Sixth some, Sense. Of course, yeah. was a massive hit, and it's a good movie. I, Unbreakable. I liked a little bit of um, the village. I thought there were cool elements to it, but all it, I remember about that movie is that I called the twist. And I was like, it better not be that. And then it was that. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, in the village? Stop doing twists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? But, but anyway, let's let's round this out with a segment of a review from our boy Roger Ebert. Oh, yeah. Stargate is like a film school exercise. Assignment, conceive of the weirdest plot you can think of and reduce it as quickly as possible to action movie cliches. There you go, buddy. There's There's your Ebert. Oh, man. Oh, there's this. Oh, this is the last one. Sorry. I have one more. This guy, uh, I'll shout him out to Alex Sandell, whoever the fuck you are. (laughs) His score is just says, Roland Emmerich's reign of terror begins zero out of five. (laughs) It's like, perfect. (laughs) Oh, that's fucking amazing. (laughs) The reign of terror begins. (laughs) Yeah, he's, uh, he's gone on to make many films. Yeah. I've somehow seen a lot of them. Me too. And I've even have enjoyed some of them. He's remaking Stargate. I think we might have noted that. I think I found this when it, you were talking about it on another episode. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I kind of knew this movie was going to be bad. But I just kept seeing it on Netflix or HBO or whatever it's on. And I just kept... I kept like hovering over it and thinking to myself, I got to just watch it. I just got to get it out of the way, right? Knowing yeah, that it's you there to know. and that it exists. Like there, there are a lot of films like that, I think, for me that I have yet to open. I had to just pull off the Band-Aid sometime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I need to watch every big budget sci-fi, whether it's like terrible or not. I don't know why. Like, dude, I watched The Tomorrow War. I was just about to say, I can't, yeah. I remember I, recommending not to watch it, and I had never seen it, still have never seen it, and you did yeah. it. <laughs> there was 0% of me that didn't think that movie would be dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. 100% knew it was going to be dumb. I just didn't know how dumb. It was ba- It was basically a Roland Emmerich film. <laughs> uh, if you're a fan of Stargate, you'd probably like The Tomorrow War. <laughs> but if you're a fan of Stargate and you've made it through this whole conversation, I uh, I don't know what universe or timeline you're in. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. And hopefully you don't hate us because we don't hate you. Exactly. We just don't like Roll Network movies. <laughs> no. And we have to talk about movies like this if we're going to talk about other big good movies that we like. Yeah. Like um, this is, you can draw comparisons to this. To the Royal Tenenbaums, right? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Come on, Alex. Make this leap in logic for me. Let's see. Yes. Yes. All right. There we go. That's a book report with Jesse and Alex. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon, hopefully, with our pal Jeff Casino. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, hope you don't hate us too much. Or if you do, whatever. Perfect. (laughs) Book report. It's a book report. It's a book report about a movie. Because that makes sense.